Hello everybody, it's Luna Carson here with Justina Scarlett and today we're going to be doing a podcast on Mary Bell, the 11 year old serial killer. So Justina, do you have anything to say before we get the podcast started? Did you put in the info um, My sister looked like a Ferengi. And, and yes, Wolf had a baby. It is Kalia's birthday today. She has turned 11. Kalia, come here. We're going to let her come and say hello before we get started. Say hello. Hello. Why am I saying hello? Because it's your birthday. Podcast. I'm sorry, Pebbles. She had to restrict your phone. <laughs> but today we're with Mary Bell. Um, Mary Bell was born May 26, 1957. She is an English woman who married, who murdered two preschool-aged boys. Like, who would want to do that? And Scotland, Newcastle, Uptain in 1968. The first I killing. Kill a flower without crying. Her first killing happened when she was 10 years old. Imagine your first killing at 10 years old. No, imagine the little boy face as he died. Who would want to still be choking that little boy? At 10, I was playing with Barbie dolls and Bratz dolls. At 10, I was... I don't know what I was doing. I was sleeping. (laughs) In both incidents, Dell... We're going to call her Mary. In both incidents, Mary informed her victims that he had a sore throat, which she would massage before proceeding to strangle him to death. Let's get kinky with it, why don't we? This is not the podcast to be talking about that. She told me, I'm going to be like, so Belle... Which way you want it? Front or back, daddy? (laughs) Mary was convicted of both murders in December 1968 in a trial held at Newcastle Ascensions when she was 11 years old and in which her ashes were judged to have been convicted. You know, the convicted. Yeah, the girl that murdered with her, her accomplice in at least one of the murders was 13-year-old Norma Josie Bell, no relation. She was acquitted of all charges. She was convicted of all charges. Bell was released from custody in 1980, age 23, and a lifelong court order granted her immunity, which has since been extended to protect the identity of her daughter and granddaughter. She has li- long since lived under a scene. Sin- she got an alias. Yeah. Basically, it's an alias. Yeah, she has different. Say. She has a different name to keep her safe and her granddaughter and daughter safe because of what happened her parents are elizabeth bell 
or Elizabeth Neil McCrop and William Bell. They say that her motive was sadism and rage. She was convicted of manslaughter times two. And her criminal penitentiary was detained at Her Majesty's pleasure. She has two victims. Her span of crimes was from May 25th to July 31st, 1968. And I mean, like, Newcastle obtained. If that was one of my children, I mean, like, I would have been like, why is she in prison? I know she was the one. Because she took pleasure. I bet that's on her own. Look at that smile on her face. And in her early life, Mary's Bell, Mary's mother, Elizabeth Betty Bell, we're going to call her Betty, was a well-known prostitute who was often absent from the family home, frequently traveling to Glasgow to work and simply leave her children in the care of their father if he was present. Mary was her second child born when Betty was herself was only 17 years old so she was a baby having a baby basically I know a 10 year old who had a baby yeah she's a baby having a baby that must have been she's so much baby. pressure on her and okay. yeah the <laughs> identity you laid in bed gotta pay the price the identity of Mary's biological father is unknown for most of her life, Mary believed that her father was William Billy Bell. We're going to call him Billy. A violent drinker and habitual criminal with an arrest record of crimes including armed robbery. Armed robbery. However, she was a baby when William Billy married her mother and it is unknown if he is her actual biological father. Mary was unwanted and was an unwanted and neglected child, according to her aunt Isa. When within mo- minutes of Mary's birth, her mother had re- had restricted hospital staff attempting to place her baby daughter in her arms, shouting, "Take that thing away from me!" That must have been so heartbreaking, with your mother telling her, telling you, "Get that thing away from me." Um, as a baby, taller, and young child, Mary frequently suffered injuries in a household accidents while alone with her mother, which led her family to believe that either her mother was deliberately neglecting her or intentionally attempting to harm or kill her daughter. On one occasion in 1960, Betty dropped her daughter from the first floor window. On another occasion, she had pal placed her plagued her daughter with sleeping pills she is on is also known to have once so married to a mentally unstable woman who was unable to have children on her own resulting in her older sister Catherine having to travel along across Newcastle to reclaim Mary from this individual and return the child to her mother home in White House Road. And treatment and treatment both home and school met Mary 
They have numerous signs of disturbances, unpredictable behavior, including sudden mood swings and chronic bedwetting. And all the podcasts that I heard of, whether it be Rotten Mango by Stephanie Sue and Murder with My Husband, all the criminals either harm animals or pee to bed. And that's with all of them. She is known to have frequently fought with other children, both boys and girls. Sounds like karma. And to have attempted to strangle or suffocate her classmates or playmates on several occasions. Sounds like Justina. On one occasion, she is known to have attempted to block the transit of a young girl with sand. I think she's trying to the whatchamacallit in your throat and she tried to block it with sand on a girl. You crazy. She is crazy crazy. Sound like you when you get mad, don't it? Oh, I tried to choke her today. Later. See, we have a psychopath. This violent behavior made many children reluctant or they were lumped to socially interacting with Mary like they didn't want to interact with her who would frequent she was frequently spend her free time with Norma Joyce Josie Bell we're going to call her Joyce Josie from 1955 to 1989 the 13-year-old daughter of her next-door neighbor although the girls shared the same last names they were not related According to one of the classmates at David Road Junior High School, by 1968, she and her peers had become... What are you doing? Mind my business. Okay. Accustomed to the sudden and marked changes in Mary's behavior, and when she would begin exhibiting stretchful manners, including shaking her head and forming a stale grays her peers instantly knew she was to become violent with the voice of her stare being the oh gosh the endilved she would attack indicate she would be she would attack I can't even read my own stuff she cray cray What is this? That's she had wrote in a picture saying I murdered so that I could become back. I don't even know what that says. It's so sloppy. Maybe Justina can tell us. It looked like back. I murdered so that I may come back. Yeah, like I said. I murdered so I may come back. Cray cray. 
four wheels. Okay, we're going to read the part about Martin Brown. On May 25th, 1968, the day before her 11th birthday, Mary Bell strangled four-year-old... It's my 11th birthday. Strangled four-year-old Martin Brown in the upstairs bedroom of a vacant house located at 85 Street margaret's road she is believed to have committed this crime alone brown's body was discovered by three children approximately between 3 30 to 4 o'clock p.m he laid on his back with his arms stretched above his head that's so sad aside from specks of blood and foam around his mouth no signs of violence were visible upon his body. A local workman named John Hall soon arrived on the scene and attempted to perform CPR to no avail. Um, as Hall attempted CPR, two local girls, 10-year-old Mary Bell, known as May, and her 13-year-old friend and the neighbor, Normal the neighbor Norma, Nora Bell, Josie, appeared at the doorway to the bedroom. Both her quickly, where both were quickly shooed away from the house. The two knocked on the door of Martin's aunt, a Miss Rada Friendly, and her inf- and informed her one of her sister's brains just had been accidentally accident. I don't understand what that meant. We think it's Martin, but we can't tell because the blood all there's blood all over him. I think they I think they meant burden. I think they meant when they said it, I think they meant that the burden. The following day, Dr. Knight conducted a postmortem Upon the body of Martin Brown, Knight was un- unable to find any signs of violence on the child's body and thus was unable to determine the child's cause of death, although he was able to discount discount the ind- investigation theory the child had died of poison through ingesting tablets and that an inquiry was on June 7th returns to an open investigation in her second Justine would you like to read her sec- about her second murder victim I can't eat cupcake or ice cream I got it going around you know I'm lactose intolerant cause you lactose intolerant cause you lactose intolerant and ice cream and cake cupcake look good why don't you just eat the cupcake? I'm lactose intolerant. Okay. It's made with chocolate. Oh my god. Milk. Chocolate. Okay, yes, Dina. Brian. Take Deja. No, I'm taking you. Take Deja. I'm taking you. Take Deja. Brian Hall. Howell. This interview is over. This ain't even an interview. <laughs> Didn't you say you like going with me? Break for Wednesday. You can take a break first. 
What's the use of taking a break on Thursday if there's one piece of paper? You can take a break Thursday. I want to take a break Wednesday. On Brian Howell, on afternoon If I don't get of, it Wednesday, I'm getting it Sunday. Okay. Okay. On the afternoon of July 31st, 1968, a three-year-old named Brian Howell was last seen by his parents in the street outside his house playing with one of his siblings, the family dog, and Mary and Norma Bell. He did not return home later that afternoon. Get your butt in the house. Concerned relatives and neighbors searched the streets without success. At 11.10 p.m. died a night. A search party discovered Brian's body between two large concerned blocks upon the 10... Is it concrete? Did you say concerned? No, it was like the other ones, the plastic... The Heavy plastic ones. I'ma just say concrete. They's the same thing. They both heavy. Concrete blocks upon the tin Liza. The first policeman to arrive at the scene observed that. Of. Ooh. The first policeman that arrived attempted. Attempts had been made to bring him back to life, but he was placed between up there up with covered in crumbles of grass and weed. Like she placed grass and weed on him. Weeds. They tried to bring him back to life, but a M was carved on his stomach. She upgraded her MO like Colonel Masby like. Exactly. And in this one, his shoes and clothes was missing. Um I can't go to sleep at night and only kill somebody. I know. I have nightmares about killing a fly. And it was the fly fault because it was in my ear. Brian, I can. Okay. The same great, the same. They found gray fiber fibers on Howell's body, and they also found them on Brown's body. They had both been found on the same body. Brian Howe was bore, buried in a local cemetery on August 7th, 1968. And his ceremony was attended by over 200 people, according to DCI. Mary stood outside the Howe's house as the child's coffin was brought from the house at the beginning of their funeral. And she stood there laughing, laughing and rubbing her hands together. I thought, my God, I've got to bring her in. She'll do another one. That was with a former formal police officer. Both, both girls were formally charged with the murder of Brown Howell at 8 p.m. That evening, in response 
to their charges, Mary replied, That's all right by me. Normal burst into Josie burst into tears and simply said, I never. I'll pay you back for this. Like, why would in most investigations I think I thought based off of what I hear and see on TV, I heard that they separate them in interrogations. But they didn't even interrogate them. Mary just said, that's all right by me. Like, this girl has no morals, no standards, and no feeling. But on other things, but on other reap stuff I saw based off of what people told me and the TV show I saw, they said that Mary Betty would also have sex with customers inside the house and would bring Mary in to like join in the acts. Sometimes. And I don't, I don't know. Sometimes she'll make Mary watch. Sometimes she'll watch Mary Bell do sex. Yeah, sometimes she'll watch, make her watch. Sometimes she would do, watch Mary do the acts on the customers. And I'm thinking at 10, 10 and 11, and you're going through this. This shouldn't be something a child should be going through. No child should be going through this. This is nasty. And it's rape. And her mother deserves to be in jail. Rotting along with her. But she's out now. But her mother should have been in jail. Rotting. That's not producing child pornography. Yes, that's technically child pornography. Well, sex trafficking. And child pornography. Yeah, but they weren't recording anything. So I don't think you can call it CP. Uh But I, I think it's CP. And some of our stuff, we're not going to say the actual words. We're going to say CP. CP means child pornography, but we're going to say CP because I don't want to get taken off. And I'm just now starting my podcast. In the trail, the trial of Mary and Josie for the murders of for the murders of Martin Brown and Brian Howell began in Newcastle, New England on December 5th, 1968. Both girls were tried for Mr. Trout before Mr. Justice Ralph Ralph I'm going to butcher his last name. Custock Sack and both pleaded not guilty to the charges. Mary was defended by Mr. Harvey Robertson, QC, Norma by R.P. Smith, QC. Josie was was acquitted of all her murder, acquitted of the murders, like I said, and Mary went to jail. And the trial lasted nine days.
upon hearing that she was being acquitted, Josie clapped her hands in excitement, whereas Mary bust into tears as her mother and grandmother also wept. Passing sentences, Judge Cusack described oh. Belle as a dangerous individual according to her posture and very grave risks of, uh, to other children and that steps must be taken to protect the public from her she was sentenced to the detain at her majesty's pleasure effect effectively in indefinite sentence of imprisonment and she was in a prison with 24 inmate women mary bell would later claim to have been sexually sexually abused by the both members of the staff and several inmates while incarcerated at the facility claiming that the sexual abuse began when she was aged 13 in november 1978 at the age 16, she was transferred to a secure wing of H.M. Prison Style, and Bell resentenced her transfer of the this transfer of to this factory or facility in June 1978 to 1968-1976. Bell was transferred to Morn Court Open Prison. Fifteen months later, September 1977, Bell again made national headlines when she and other inmates, other inmate Andy Anta, present, briefly escaped from this open prison. Both were captured seven, several days later. And she was released in June 1979. And this is, again, the case of Mary Floral Bell. And I'm sorry about all the mispronunciations and words. It's currently 10.55 p.m. and I had just got off of work. So I'm stumbling over my words because I'm a little tired. But I had to get this out for you guys. So um, just keep a lookout for our next podcast. We should have one out as soon as as soon as possible maybe Thursday or Friday but or no, Saturday you want to go to the state fair <laughs> okay maybe Saturday or Thursday but we again, can't do it Saturday Thursday again I am Luna Carson here with Justina Scarlett and we're going to see when we can get Karma Rivershore in. Because I know you guys are dying to hear her voice. But we're going to let you know when she'll be up here. And as always, I love you. And have a good night. Kisses.